This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what Hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Tang, and I thought of this great idea, Wei. It's the big, I would say, second biggest show of the year for the WWE, depending on how you look at things. So I think everyone's asking us, what shows are you guys going to go to? What WWE shows are you going to go to? And one of us is going to attend a show from WWE over the next week. I think we should do what WWE did, and we should wait until the final 10 seconds of the show to find out who is going to what show. Wow, okay. And then we'll just and then we'll go off and end the show on the least dramatic note possible. Mm. Okay, well... Hello? Doesn't that sound exciting? <laughs> I was yeah. waiting for your, your great reaction. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Very well. Yeah, sorry. I'm trying of... to recover from the final two minutes of SmackDown and wondering what the hell I was watching here. Uh, Yeah, as long as I think uh, you don't try <laughs> you don't try to run me over with a car or something. Um, Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm doing okay. Doing all right, John. How are you? I'm doing swell. I'm all set for the next... Uh, Seven days of insanity. I'm all ready. I've been doing push-ups. I'm ready. I've got my uh, my note-taking skills ready. I've got my my pens all ready to go. Way my stopwatch is all set. Awesome. I'm ready to go. All right, let's do it. Let's dive right in. Let's dive right into things, everybody. Uh, very busy week. We went through all of the shows that are coming up this week. There are a, as they say, plethora of them coming up. Uh, some highlights for you. Uh, we're going to have G1 shows coming out on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Saturday, on Sunday, and next Monday. Uh, Wednesday's show will be a free show, so you'll want to check that out, even if you're not a cafe member, which at this point, you're missing out. Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, those will all be Patreon shows, including Saturday, where WH Park will step into the post office for the very first time. I cannot wait for WH. He has arrived safely in Toronto. I can confirm this. And we'll be meeting up with him on Wednesday. At the OWE event. Yeah, look forward to seeing uh, that show. And, and if any listeners are there, please say hi. And then uh, other highlights this week. 
We've got the British Wrestling Experience coming out Wednesday. Mark Ramundi will be joining us on the Cafe Hangout Thursday at 3. And then NXT TakeOver Post Show on Saturday night. SummerSlam Post Show on Sunday night. Uh, for the SummerSlam show, we'll be doing that one live for our Double Double Plus patrons. So there is so much stuff to check out. Go to postwrestling.com and tons of bonus content this week as well up on the cafe. But way, the big one, it's Sunday. We are sold out post-wrestling live in Toronto at the John Candy Box Theater happening in downtown Toronto, 99 Blue Jays Way. Uh, we we got to go check out the space today and we are we are all set to go for Sunday. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, pleased to announce that there will be alcohol served uh, for purchase at the event, so you can. Oh God, uh, I anticipate. It will be something. way funnier then if you have a few drinks. Yes, and I and you'll be totally loaded by the time you go to SummerSlam. Then, well, isn't that the goal? As as always. Uh, so, but I, I we've been told specifically if for people attending to make your way to the Blue Jays Way entrance and not the the one on the other side of the building which is uh, the Second City proper. What you're looking for is the Second City Training Center entrance, which on the third floor exists the John Candy Box Theater. So uh, if you're getting into an Uber or something, simply I would say punch in like Gretzky's, Wayne Gretzky's, or Second City Training Center, which is on the uh, uh, on Blue Jays Way again. So uh, make sure. The theater is yeah, yeah, it's on the third floor. It's also it's wheelchair accessible if you if you need that. So. Uh, third floor, 99, Blue Jays Way, for those who have tickets and are coming on Sunday. Yep, yep. Uh, and, and again, uh, we'll have some very limited merchandise for sale, a couple of t-shirt designs, one of which is an exclusive design from Robert Pearson, which you can find on our Instagram, our Twitter, all that good stuff. Only 30 of these printed, so get there early if you want to get one in your size. And I am going to call this, what we have, a no-bullshit sellout. That means... Uh, we, we, we thank all of you, but if you show up on Sunday trying to get in, like there is no way we've been yeah. told we are, we are completely, we are completely full for this event. We have no tickets to spare. So thank you to all of you that are coming on Sunday. And if you are not coming, uh, if you are a member of the post wrestling cafe, uh, this show will be coming out next week. Correct way. That's right. Yeah. We're going to release the audio up on, uh, for our patrons and we're going to try to get our hands on some video that we'll uh, put up there as well for people who can't be there in person. So uh, lots of stuff going on in post wrestling land this week, uh, Saturday, Saturday from one till five, uh, Braden and Davey are going to be at the wide open bar at one thirty nine a Spadina Avenue, uh, getting ready for takeover with their up next tailgate party. That too is sold out. So, uh, I don't even know if Way and I can get into that one. Uh, Sunday, we've got the live show. And then next Monday night, it is a trip down memory lane as we will be doing a screening of Raw at O'Grady's Tap and Grill, 171 College at McCall, right by Queens Park Subway Station. Uh, you do not need any tickets to get into this. Uh, it's first come, first serve. Uh, but based on the response, I think that our area is going to fill up. So you may want to get there a little bit before 8 o'clock. Uh, when Raw begins. So should be a lot of fun. Uh, we have secured an appearance fee for Wei Ting. He is coming. He does not come cheap. And I am I am so honored that we've got Wei Ting in the house, that we've got uh, Braden popping in. WH Park will be there. Mike Murray will be there. Greg Oliver will be there. Um, who knows who else will stop by. But it is uh, we're looking forward to this. And Raw will be on in the background as well. Well, uh, what? 
happy to be there. Happy to to enter those hollowed halls of O'Grady's once more. I I don't even remember what it looks like. Um, what would you recommend on the menu? The chicken wings were always very good there. That was always my go-to. Do they have uh, a wing special on Mondays? They used to. I haven't been there in 10 years, so I cannot confirm what they have on Monday nights uh, now. But uh, that that will be my go-to, is just for nostalgia purposes, getting uh, the wings. So have chicken wings with John Pollock. I mean, what a draw. Uh, chicken wings with John Pollock as I try and pay attention to Raw, because believe it or not, Wayne, I have to do a show afterwards. Yeah, so. we're not going to be that much fun, actually. Uh, we'll try to be, though. Uh, in addition to that, one last plug, and that is for uh, our ongoing sale at the Post Wrestling Store. You all have less than one week to take advantage if you're a Post Wrestling Cafe patron. 20% off of all items, including our hats, which I don't know if I'll be discounting again anytime soon. Um, maybe not for a little while, because uh, they they uh, they we don't make that much from them when they're discounted, so... We're going to uh, keep this going until uh, next Monday at the end of the G1. So take advantage while you can. Mr. Honesty, waiting. Uh, so yes, <laughs> check that out. Store.postwrestling.com. That sale wraps up next Monday, as does the G1. When that flag gets uh, waved inside the ring after the G1 final, that's it. That is the signal. The sale is over. So don't miss out uh, this final chance for you to nab something at a, uh, at a cheaper rate. So check all of that stuff out, and yeah, we'll have tons of coverage this week. Uh, I'm going to try and get stuff up of the shows that I'm going to live. Uh, we're also going to have uh, Benno doing some reports uh, from abroad. He's going to be covering the Ring of Honor Summer Supercard show on Friday. He's also going to be watching uh, the Game Changer Wrestling show, Escape from L.A. This was the card last year where Marco Stunt became uh, an overnight sensation. So they're back this year in L.A., and... Are you kind of surprised that Game Changer didn't make the uh, the trip up to Canada for this one way? Because I think Game Changer, I think that would have been one of the big non-WWE shows of the weekend. I I think it would have rivaled, like, the interest level for just about anything. Well, I mean, in in, in their case, I wonder how much... Uh, uh, of, of It's obviously a very expensive undertaking to get your whole crew up here to Canada. I'm sure there were restrictions of why they decided not to, but I think that would have been, like, a hot wrestling show in in town well for sure but you know again with with the dollar with uh visas perhaps uh although I'd, i feel like the the opposite is like americans working in canada might be a little bit different um and maybe a little bit easier than canadians working in the u.s but i'm sure like all of these things maybe played a factor in in their decision and maybe maybe they wanted to stick with the sure thing and la was the sure thing and looking at their business that they'll do on Fight TV, regardless of location. I mean, it's it'd be interesting to see like what money they make at the live gate versus what they're making on pay per view buys. Yeah, yeah. As they've you know they seriously have a good following now as well. And uh, an update from our discussion last week about Joey Janela. He did an interview with Fightful, and yes, he his contract starts with AEW, but he will be doing Spring Break next year. Awesome, great news. Yes. So it looks like he will have the ability to do some uh, GCW shows. Uh, so let's go into some news items first. Uh, just a quick thing here on, on the raw number. They did 2,473,000 viewers Monday night for the go-home show, up 6.5% from the past week. This was one of their better numbers of the summer. Um, decent from, from start to finish. They actually increased. It was very small. It was 
1% over the the course of the show, but up nonetheless from last week, and maybe that was just the overall interest in SummerSlam, maybe that was the tease of a Goldberg appearance, which I think a lot of people were expecting. Um, yeah, it was, it was up this week uh, at a decent number, so we'll see how that holds up next week coming off of SummerSlam and what they do at the show on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a pretty... You know, at times decent show, and I think um, I wonder how much the show long mystery or the the, the various mysteries, I suppose, with Roman, and then um, the uh, Roman thing might might have helped. Like those yeah. mystery angles typically do have some interest, some staying power, mm-hmm. and you know they had clearly a really elaborate reveal set for Tuesday SmackDown, which we will get into. But uh, I guess the big news of the day was AEW announcing where. They would be taking their show for weeks number two and three. So on October the 9th, they are going to Boston to the Aganis Arena. And then the following week, on October the th- October the 16th, they're going to the uh, to Temple University where in Philadelphia, where they're going to be at the Leocorus Center, which is a venue of uh, both venues that TNA has run in the past for pay-per-views. Uh, in Philadelphia, that's where they ran... Locked down in 2009 and then bound for glory in 2011, which was the Hulk Hogan versus Sting match that they built up for forever. Um, so that is where they are going. Uh, no West Coast show, like I predicted, but uh, we did get these two. And yeah, it looks like for the first three weeks, at least, they're largely staying in the Northeast. And I I, I do really think it's more of a logistical, um, you know, like cost-saving measure or maybe just a matter of convenience to have to not lug your entire all that gear from one end of the country to another uh, i think this is how wwe tends to do things and it makes a lot of, a lot of sense that they would stick around this vicinity and maybe work their way across the country from this point yeah so the venue size if you're curious in boston the venue they're running it's got a listed capacity of 7200 which this does not take into account like production kills that they're going to have which will uh, kill a lot of seats in that. I would imagine maybe they'll have around, maybe it's scaled for around 6,000, you would guess. Uh, the Leocore Center is much bigger. It can hold 10,200, and I, I would figure they could probably fit like 8,000 or so in there as well. What do you think about the size of the venues? In particular in Philadelphia, um, the major arena in town is the Wells Fargo Center. That's where WWE just ran extreme rules and for wrestling that can hold about 14,000 people. Are you surprised they didn't go all in for the, the biggest venue in town, which based on what I could find is not booked that night. Um, I guess not so much. Cause I, I wonder when they did sign this, I'm sure they had a lot of concerns themselves, you know, like the, the, the elite mentioned uh, on being the elite this week, they didn't necessarily expect to, to sell out in the first day. Maybe after seeing the the result of of those uh, of, of the of the of the first event sales, maybe they would now be considering something like that. But um, I think it would have been a, a much more safer bet. You know, we're talking the third week here. Um, maybe kind of the hype dying down. I I feel like seven thousand is still very healthy. Um, so I I feel like it was probably the safer bet. These are if they sell these out. These are like. That's a lot of tickets to sell for a Wednesday night wrestling show. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's absolutely. I'm curious if you are AEW way, what do you want right now? Given the, the perception that they have of this hot sellout streak, would you rather sell out 
a building with 8,000 people or would you rather draw 10,000 to an arena that holds 12,000? I'd rather the sellout. I think yeah. it, it's far better PR um, versus, you know, making a few extra dollars off of something. And I, I, I think the perception of just being so hot that people can't get in, uh, that to me is worth a lot more than those few dollars. That was certainly like on a much smaller scale. I think part of the appeal of PWG for so many years at the American Legion post, like, mm -hmm. yes, it was only, uh, what was it? 400 people that they could fit in there, but it was, it was the ticket to get, you could not get a ticket unless you were really on top of things, uh, to get to those shows. And it made them feel so in demand because you know, it's so hard to get tickets and that's sort of AEW is now doing it on such a much larger scale, but I, you know, it's going to come the week where they don't fill it. And I think it's you're totally missing the mark if you paint uh, selling, say, 7,000 in a 9,000-seat arena as some kind of mark of failure. Like, this is enormous, the amount of tickets that they are moving uh, to their shows. And, you know, these, these buildings are not uh, – these are still sizable venues that they're running. Certainly, yeah. Um, I, I, I do wonder, you know um... – when like after the show comes out i wonder how that might affect i guess it really largely depends on the quality of the show but i think they're still really banking on so much of the hype surrounding the product um because we we don't know what it looks like we haven't seen it we don't know what the quality of the tv show is going to be versus all out i feel like maybe a lot of people are are perhaps buying these tickets you know only having seen their pay-per-view level sh quality of shows um, after the TV show comes out, obviously, depending on the quality of the show, will that affect ticket sales? They're going to be releasing the ticket information on Friday. Um, that's just the information, not that they will be going on sale. Are yeah. you, and they'll also you... be announcing, um, their next, uh, location coming up. Yeah. Soon. They've, they've got a, you know, I, I, I don't know how much they're going to be able to keep doing these, like all these special I think they're doing a smart thing. They're trying to make every single announcement feel special. Every TV taping feel important. Uh, make the on-sale date its own event. Um, it's it's working for them so far. It's just going to be trying to keep this up and be able to keep, you know, is week 25 going to feel as special? Um, that's going to yeah. be the challenge. Like, ultimately, they're going to they're gonna settle into uh, a bit of a pattern, and people are going to be... I think the, the biggest key is having these great blowaway shows that the word of mouth is out there and creating the impression that these are hard to get tickets because I think that's going to trickle over and I think they're going to do very well for these on sales for Boston and Philadelphia. I think so too. I think it remains to be seen like where that kind of, you know, hype will die down. And I think it's inevitable that it has to. I mean, we're talking um, a show every single week. I feel like it's really, really tough to imagine that they would sell everything every every one of those shows out inevitably I'm, that hype will die down but when yeah i don't know i'm no longer hedging my bets i'm expecting sellouts for these shows it almost feels like when you know when, when george st pierre would fight or when john jones fights it's like i'm not betting against him it's just it's just i'll be wrong when i'm wrong the week that they don't but i'm just expecting sellouts for the for these two shows coming up well, um, maybe there'll be a Toronto date at some point. I'm sure there will be. I I have no doubt that Toronto, I'm sure, is on that 
uh, is on that list. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they make it up here. Now, what, what venue do you run in Toronto? Well, they're uh, not running Ted Reeve Arena, and I don't <laughs> think they should run the Mattamy Athletic Center. So you're looking yeah. at your options are the Rico Coliseum or Scotiabank Arena. I believe they renamed the Rico, didn't they? Oh, yeah. It's a new so is it like direct a energy Coca-Cola building. Coca-Cola Coliseum. Coca-Cola Coliseum. That's yeah. it. You're right. So Coca-Cola Coliseum holds about nine. And wrestling at Scotiabank Arena is about, what is it, 12? 11 to 12 mm-hmm. for Something wrestling, like typically? Yeah, yeah I so mean. What, what do you think they run? Mm, I mean, uh, again, I, 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 I think if, if I were AEW, I would look at uh, doing the Rico um, first. Mm, but Toronto's a hot market. Um, I would save Toronto for a bigger show, you know, a show on the level of an all-out or double or nothing or one of their other tentpole shows because I think the the demand would probably be that big that it would probably uh, work for, for, for the, uh, a location of this size. I don't know if I would do just TV in Toronto. And if it's a big event, like an all out, then I could definitely see Scotiabank arena. I think they'd sell at Scotiabank arena for a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. I think they would do really well for the TV when it comes here. Yeah. Like, do you remember the first time after all the, the years of nitro when they finally got here to nitro, that thing sold out instantly in what was then the air Canada center. And that was, that was in 1999 by the time that, you know, WCW, it was still hot, but not to the degree it had been a year ago. And it was like they had, I remember that being a first day sellout and I was able to get a ticket to that. And it was very, uh, I, I couldn't convince any of my friends to go. And it was the most, uh, it was the most depressing wrestling show to go f- where I just went <laughs> and <laughs> just sat with like, there were just other people that I just sat with and I bought like my single ticket. Oh, that does make me sad a little. It was, but. you know what? It was it was the night after WrestleMania as well that year in '99. But I, I still had a fun time. It's like there were, it's all wrestling fans, and there was that cool angle with Goldberg and Bret Hart with yes. the steel plate, for sure. Yeah, but that's you know, high point. But we're talking about like WCW. That was what like '99 yes. when that happened. Uh, you know, like years after I think you know the the NWO peak and just like the height of the 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 Monday Night Wars. But AEW hasn't even had their first show yet. But it's got all the buzz. It's the cool product. And at that time, WCW had like a coolness to it because WCW did not come here. And Mm -hmm. here's Nitro, like the show that has been had been the hot show for about two years at this point. Yes, it's past the peak, but you had all those stars that you weren't getting through the WWF that had connections to this city. And it's a different dynamic now with AEW, but they have... To me, like they have that that coolness factor that I I think the and you'd have so many people that would be willing to travel here to Toronto. I think, especially for a pay per view, it's a coolness factor that I, I I am like a little concerned that will go that will go away with more exposure, and with a weekly two hour show every single week. Again, it remains to be seen how cool they will be able to continue to make this product seem uh, six months into this TV deal. Well, the goal of the TV is to expand your tent, and there's that many more people now that uh, have not experienced going to these live shows that you're hopefully going to create new fans, and that's going to be the big question. Has it been this this concentrated, hardcore base that has all these unlimited funds, or is it like a much larger number that they're going to attract by being on TNT every every Wednesday night? Like, obviously, TV, It's the goal is to, number one, to get paid for it. And number two, expand your fan base by that much more. And that's all going to be stuff that's going to be uh, looked, looked upon heavily uh, this fall. But 
Those are our next two dates for AEW on TNT. And I just wanted to quickly discuss this interview that uh, our guest on the Cafe Hangout, Mark Ramundi, had with Roman Reigns this week for ESPN. He was promoting the 2K20 video game, and Mark got into several interesting subjects with Roman Reigns. The first one being his schedule this year, and it's been noticeable, like the house shows that he has not been on. And he said that since WrestleMania, he has not been on all the live events. He brought up outside projects and also stating, quote, we have to be smart and obviously not burn me out, but I feel good. And from there, they moved on to the subject of John Moxley. And Reigns went on to say that he disagreed with what Roman said, with what Ambrose said about the creative process. He said, I love the guy. I love him to death. He's my brother. And wrestling ain't going to stop that. On a personal level, me and that dude can hang out, have a beer or two, and just talk. And then he says that when it comes down to it, creative-wise, that's on you. Communication is communication. When you go in there and you talk to the boss, you got to let him know. He even made comments about the things I had to say. But that, but that was in a different place. I was brand new. That being the, uh, the suffering succotash line that this man is never, ever going to live down uh, that he had to use on television once. And... Yeah, like you can see, these two clearly, uh, they have their, their friendship, but the interview clearly rubbed both Rollins and Reigns the wrong way. And they're backing their company here against someone who is pretty vocal against it. I think to me, the takeaway from hearing this is that Roman is showing the world how to publicly defend your company without coming across like a bit of an asshole. Like I think Seth Rollins has come across uh, trying to answer the very same question. Um, I don't see really any type of backlash against Roman Reigns for the way he stated this. And I feel like Roman is completely justified in, in having this particular opinion. Of course he is. Um, you know, he feels, I suppose that maybe for whatever reason, John Moxley, Dean Ambrose was not able to communicate as effectively with the higher ups. Um, and that's his feelings, you know, I, 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 I uh, certainly there might be an element of, you know, protecting the company, uh, in even a statement like this, but I would say it comes across as far less maybe eh, condescending. Not that I even think the Rollins one was, was that condescending. Um, but I, I, I think he handled it well. Yeah. I mean, these were his, his honest comments. I think it's, to that, to the audience that follows both, I think it's really hard right now to really bag on John Moxley, who has just had this renaissance of his career this summer. And I mean, Lens, like this is a John Moxley we we never got to see in WWE. Like certainly there were issues that affected him being this version of himself. And yeah. Reigns, to his benefit, I mean, he is someone that has excelled in that system and done very very well. And yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend, like, if he had the option of where to go, I think he's he is very suited for that, that him and Rollins. Like, they enjoy being part of that machine, and they are happy to do all the stuff is asked about them. I'm sure my, a lot of it gets uh, tiring at times, but they are in it for that. Whereas Moxley, you could see, like, he wants to be out just to be a wrestler and not necessarily part of that, that machine. And it's it seems like... All three are probably in the spots that they should be right now. Yeah, everything's great. Everything is wonderful in the world of professional wrestling as friends uh, talk about each other in media interviews. And the final uh, story here, uh, last week, uh, Sean Ross Sapp at Fightful.com had reported that Bobby Lashley was dealing with an undisclosed injury and 
Pro Wrestling Sheet had an update that he suffered an he had a surgery to remove bone spurs, and Lashley is expected to be out until early November. So that answers the question of where Bobby Lashley has been, as he's been off TV since July 15th after uh, the battle royal they did to determine, well, with Seth Rollins winning to get the rematch with Brock Lesnar. So Bobby Lashley is off the list of the the assailants uh, if Roman Reigns was doing his studying. Um, yeah, great. Awesome. Cross him off. One guy to cross off. You could drive a car, though, with bone spurs. You could drive a forklift. Maybe that's probably his trying to while trying to operate a forklift backstage, his bone spurs got in the way. While trying to drive a car and bone spurs got in the way and he almost killed Roman. Hey, have you ever been a, a one arm driver just using the one hand? I, I'm, um, a, I'm a two hander. I'm a one hander from time to time. Yeah, obviously when I have to, you know. Like, but if I'm like just coasting in a straight line, I'm definitely one hand out the window, like resting on the on the on the window with the other arm on the on the steering wheel kind of guy. Final thing before we get into our SmackDown review. Oh, no uh, follow up on my uh, one hand driving. I'm it, it scares me. I won't lie. Uh, I, I'm a little nervous with with the, with the one handers. I'm a very confident driver. Yeah, I, I've been pa- I've been a passenger to some very scary drivers. You are actually not one of them. Uh, but others, there are times I have thought, oh, my God, this is it. But I'm not the kind of person that is going to be vocal to the person either, which is to my detriment. I just sit there in fear as someone navigates through traffic. I'm just like, just just pay attention to the road. And you know what? You've got a second hand for a goddamn reason. Well, um, that's what the Ubers are for. That's true. Uh, my update everyone the mouse is still at large we have set out more traps there has been no findings yet i want to thank all the people that have sent me feedback both uh, publicly on twitter and through direct messages uh, with tips with different uh, experiences they have had with mice Um, i'm gonna catch this thing i promise i'm gonna catch this thing because it is now the it has become the challenge this is a a real life video game for me and i'm going to prevail and find this thing Somehow. Good luck. All right. Let's keep everyone updated. Yes. <laughs> Smack contest. Oh, the contest, of course. Let's give some stuff away, Way. Anytime. Anytime okay. you want. I'm ready. Okay. Let's let's roll. Let's go in. Let's find the cafe member. Yes, I was right, folks. If you are a member of the post wrestling cafe, not only do you get all these extra shows, but every Tuesday night you have a chance to win a post wrestling prize pack and the example this week of that lucky winner that person's name is is that the word what's the word the magic word i said their name is and that's where you read the name okay congratulations to pat sigworth pat sigsworth Oh, congratulations, Pat Sigsworth. Yo, from PEI, Pat Sigsworth. Awesome. Pat Sigsworth from beautiful Prince Edward Island, California. Davey Portman is in Halifax. Wait, wait, wait. Prince Edward Island, California? Oh, I'm sorry. Canada, Canada. I saw CA. Okay. I thought California. <laughs> God damn. Yes, uh, beautiful Prince Edward Island. Anna Green Gables? That shit's great. Have you ever been to PEI? I have, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Drive or fly? 
I, I, I don't know. Like I was young. My, my mom took me to a lot of different places and Prince Edward Island happened to be one of those places. They got like anytime a- I ask people about going to PEI, it's always, oh yeah, we drove there. It's an enormous drive to Prince Edward Island from Toronto. I'm sure. Like, look that stuff up. Like uh, that's, oh man, I'm a sure, long drive. I'm sure a beautiful drive though. You know, um, they've got like this bridge because, because it's an island. Of course they got red sand there. How awesome is that? Damn. Um, What's the show on CBC? Oh, dude, I was just about to make a Road to Avonlea Fuck, reference, and it. you beat me to it, dude. Like sometimes we're just at a different level of like simpatico. To be fair, to be fair, not much else I think of when I think of PEI. Oh wait, there's plenty of there's plenty going on. I'm literally looking up Toronto to PEI right now. How long of a drive this would be? What's what's your guesstimate of a drive? Okay, I'm gonna say. 18 oh, hours dude on if you take the 401 east it's 16 hours and 19 minutes which is the fastest route but if you go on the i-90 east it is 18 hours and one minute so let's go with the second option Fuck. i got I, I got it almost exact yeah you were off by a minute Amazing. if you go here 401 east it's 18 and a half hours that is that's insanity that's, well, you're not doing that. Obviously, in one you're going to stop hope. along the way. But seriously, dude, that's a, that's a lot of days just to get there. Hopefully, you're not doing it in one go, and hopefully, you're not doing it one handed. That's one that I, I would definitely use two hands for. Like that's probably like that. That's two days solid of driving if you're stopping over, and probably a good chunk of a third to get there. Well, I'm sure you'd have a great time though. Yeah, how long could you stay, and then you got to turn around and do it all again because you got to another three days of your vacation is just. Driving on the way back. Well, I mean, you're hopefully you have more than three days to drive all the way out to PEI. You can make stops in like uh, Kingston, Ontario. That place is awesome. You can stop, I'm sure, in Laval, Quebec. That'd be. You want to hear another stat? What's that? Non-stop flight, two hours, three hundred eighty-four bucks round trip kind of expensive but okay that's called that's called the john pollock option right there 384 bucks in two hours i'll see you their way maybe that's an AEW uh future destination <laughs> yeah does does that rhyme with uh kelly as well mm, wouldn't rhyme did you watch the video yes yeah, i did philly philly and kelly that's a stretch of a rhyme that was a uh, not a rhyme that was a uh, all right, let's get into SmackDown. Everyone's done with our our uh, our jokes. The Little Caesars Arena, Detroit, Michigan. I got to say, I was a much bigger fan of the Joe Louis Arena versus Little Caesars Arena. Is it the same arena? No, this is the new arena in, in town. Oh, right, yeah. Well, I mean, which, which tastes better? <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking of the the snack. Not oh, the God. boxer. Oh, you're thinking of Joe Louis. <laughs> My God, you're you're in a different space right now. I'm in, the, I'm in a PEI time zone. Charlotte Flair starts off the show. She says that everyone strives for greatness, but they don't have the genetics, drive, and determination to make it, so they lie to themselves, like Trish Stratus does. And when the industry changed, she opted to do something else and start a family and get a minivan. So apparently this industry took a stark change way in 2006, nine years before these women were called up to the main roster. Well, I mean, I guess at some point you kind of round up or round down. Um, 
it all blurs together. A decade might as well be a year. Yeah, as I recall, the women's division kind of fell apart when Trish left. I don't know if the uh, the agents of change had quite installed themselves into the WWE women's division I, in, in 2006 and I, 7. That entire, I think, period has kind of been distilled into, like, maybe just a week or two. Like, all of a sudden, there was the give divas a chance hashtag, and that was that. Yes. As I always say, if you want to see the state of their thought process about women, watch Trish Stratus's send-off in September of 2006, and then watch two months later Lita's send-off at the Survivor Series that year. Mm -hmm. And that will tell you where this company was in their maturity level. Trish, she says, is jealous of Charlotte's success and was never as good as she was. The athletes today are superior than in the past, and she is going to shatter the dreams that Trish has of performing in front of her husband and children. And so Charlotte throws to her homemade highlight video. And as she goes to the highlight video, this must happen all the time, Way, in editing bays across the world. You go to one highlight pack, and then it cuts into a different highlight feature as we go into a feature on Trisha's career. Well, I don't think it was exactly a cut. To me, this looked like a almost like a deliberate fade. So, oh, man. So the editor double-crossed Charlotte. Well, I have a feeling I think Trish has really been working hard oh. at her After Effects abilities. I guess I so, Trish yeah. did this. Trish comes out, and she said that she played that video to remind Charlotte why she is here and why she can have these opportunities. And Trish admits, yes, I was dreaming of another match, and you are the embodiment of everything I fought for. And I want to prove to my children, I want to prove it to my fans, and to myself. And to quote Harley Race, there is no better place than performing under these bright lights. So Charlotte says, welcome to your nightmare, Trish. You will bow down to the queen. And then Trish slaps Charlotte. Charlotte takes a look at her and says, I'm going to make my money on the pay-per-view. And then she walks out. Mm-hmm. I thought this was great. I thought Charlotte sounded good. Trish, I thought, sounded very good as well. There were strong lines uh, written for both women. And I feel like they were able to effectively kind of make this feel like a dream match. Certainly overshadowing either woman's title match on this show. I thought it was a good promo between these two. Uh, better than last week's setup. Um, more impactful than what they did on Monday. And I think ultimately it's, you know, you're presenting a dream match. Which in WWE means just don't screw this up. Just announce the match and do the bare minimum because the audience is either going to be into it on Sunday or they won't be into it. And I think they're going to be into it. I yeah. think the crowd will be great for this. They're going to elevate this match. And I think Trish is in there with the best possible person to have the best match she can. Absolutely. Yep. I, I you know, it was, it's certainly a build that I think has benefited from not having that much airtime. Air uh, and it was just really simple. It's Charlotte. Well, I say really simple, but um, I think it could have been simpler because we had to have Charlotte make the challenge and then Trish um, come to, like arrive in the town for no reason. To it, it could have had a better kind of premise to it. I mean, this isn't, you know, people have compared this program to Tessa Blanchard and Gail Kim, which was set up for a long, long time on Impact. And then you couldn't have had a better payoff at the pay-per-view, which was... You know, really the template, but I think a fraction of the audience has seen that program and that match 
that will be watching on Sunday and have seen this. So, mm-hmm. like, to be honest, I, I don't have a ton of faith in WWE doing these these long-term stories and then getting to a match without either, either just driving people past the expiry point. To me, it's I'd much rather too little than too much. Or driving, period. Oh, God. Yeah, vehicles need to be banned from WWE programming for a lifetime. Bill Goldberg's music plays and everyone goes nuts. They're like, oh... Trish stuck around, and so did Bill. But the security opens up Dolph Ziggler's dressing room, and Ziggler comes out, and he does Goldberg's entrance. I I think that this is the most I've kind of gotten into Ziggler because it feels like he's now in on what his character is and what it's not. More importantly, which and is it what? used to be it it used to be Dolph cutting these promos where you believed like he was just this natural complainer that honestly believed he was destined to be a main eventer and now it feels like he is accepted i am in this role i know what my role is and i can be a lot more loose now and i just i don't know what it is but it to me has like he's found where his slot is and i'm not saying that he could have been higher once upon a time but he's not there anymore so i think he's kind of just embraced this i think he realizes what his role is to just get killed by goldberg and I like the entrance part. I think it's the fact that he's... You're not seeing Adolf Ziggler go for the WWE Championship. It's Adolf Ziggler where he's just simply trying to build as much heat as possible so that we can see Bill Goldberg beat him up. And I thought Dolph did an excellent job in this entire show, in this entire program, really, of doing that one singular job. He is doing his best to be a mid-card heel who is ultimately going to get embarrassed. Um, and I thought this entrance was great, you know, again, benefiting from, I think, a lack of TV time. So he comes out and he's supposed to take on Rey Mysterio and Ziggler jumps Rey on the floor, super kicks him on the floor before the bell rings and the officials are coming out to tend to him, including, uh, Pat Buck, who it was, uh, reported by Mike Johnson is now a producer with the company. He's been hired, uh, he of, uh, who had been running uh, WrestlePro out of uh, New York. So Pat Buck was out there and Ray gets hit with another super kick. And then Ziggler says another legend goes down and the nostalgia isn't enough. He ends the legend of Goldberg on Sunday. He's not next, but this Sunday will be Goldberg's last match. He's going to retire Bill Goldberg. Like he's completely delusional. Well, um, I don't think it's, yeah, okay, it's it's very delusional, but as a character, he should say something like that. Goldberg was pretty much retired, and um, I don't think it's a stretch to think that if Ziggler, you know, beats him up really badly, as I think the character should want to do, that it would be Bill's last match. Nothing with Andrade on this show with Ray. Ray was pretty much, I mean, he was protected by not losing to Dolph, but he was just the setup guy for Dolph to get some heat on I guess Ray as a legend. It tells me that they don't really have any plans for Ray and Andrade. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but um, Ray's role on this show was simply somebody for Dolph to beat up so that you would want to see Dolph get beaten up by another legend. Um, It certainly doesn't feel like coming off of this that they were focusing on Ray as any type of interesting challenger for, for even Andrade. 
Ali comes out to check on Ray and then goes after Ziggler, nailing him with a spinning heel kick and a suicide dive. And we went to the commercial and would come back with the match. Uh, They were also running local ads for Raw and SmackDown in Toronto. And they're promoting Rollins versus Corbin and Becky Lynch versus Lacey Evans for Raw. Okay. Just running for tickets. And then SmackDown, they're promoting Kofi versus Orton and Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. Yeah. Presumably dark matches, if they even happen. Yeah. Yeah. Card subject to change. Ziggler versus Ali. Uh, Ali did the rolling face buster, which he has done his entire WWE run. He does this every single match. But on this night, it was an homage to Sean Waltman, they stated. Ziggler then hits a big clothesline, and then he goes for the sweet chin music and... With Ali, it was an homage to Sean Waltman. Ziggler stole this from Shawn Michaels. Do you get like a certificate if you are paying an homage? Like Sean Waltman signed off on this. It's like Donovan Dijak asking Taz for permission to use the Taz mission on Twitter. And Ziggler did not go through the requisite channels to use the sweet chin music. Therefore, it's stolen. Yeah, I think you, you rent it and you have like a card, like a library card, and you borrow it for a certain amount of time. Does Reigns have to give back the spear while Goldberg's on the active roster? Mm, well, um, the book is checked they, out. Maybe they exchange it in between matches. Okay. So Roman can use the spear. Goldberg can do the drive-by. Um, they can trade. Or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so Ziggler continuing to use the sweet chin music. Do you, the end result of all this has to be a match with Sean, doesn't it? They're teasing it way too hard. Well, Ali ducked it, and then Ziggler beat him with the sweet chin music in a minute 47. I, it, yes, under normal circumstances, this is 100% you're being led to a match with Shawn Michaels, but I really don't believe it's happening. I think yeah. they're just doing this. I don't think they're looking at this as like, yeah, people are going to be led in this direction. Uh, they're just doing it as, well... This beats him doing uh, the jackhammer. Yeah, like, shouldn't he so. have been? Do- shouldn't he have been doing Goldberg spots, or would those look too ridiculous? I mean, they would look ridiculous, but at the same time, I think you know, continuing to involve Sean as heavily as they are without a match to to end at the uh, you know at the at the end of the, I I I find really strange. You know, obviously Sean is still involved in the story, and I think he'll he's already given Dolph his come up and he super kicked him. But the fact I, that I, watching this, like I felt like thinking afterwards. That should have been the spot at SummerSlam. Do it yeah, after. Sure. And they yeah. could still do it again, but then why do it on Monday? To me, like, Sean superkicking him on Monday almost felt like Sean was done with the program. But for Ziggler to continue using the Sweet Chin music, or uh, what they were calling the Sweet Chin music here, uh, I feel like just further kind of reignites the, the Sean tease that they really hit hard on Monday. They recapped uh, everyone trying to kill Roman Reigns. So Kayla did a sit-down with Roman Reigns, and he said that he's been through so much this year, but he always knew what was going on and what was attacking him. But now he doesn't know who is attacking him. What did you think about this? Equating his leukemia battle to uh, a hit-and-run attack and a forklift operator. I think on the list of offenses uh, involving... You know, cancer in storyline uh, with Roman. They've Reigns been so year. worse that this doesn't cross the the yeah. line of uh, tastelessness. Yeah, 
He says WWE has offered him personal security, but he's a man that does things himself. And this has affected his life. When Kayla asks, who do you think did this? He says, well, I know who it wasn't. It was not Samoa Joe. And he, he looks into the camera and apologizes that Joe's name was dragged through the mud. And he's got questions. And tonight, he's going to get some answers. And what? Kayla said, when? And he said, when there's two minutes left in the show. <laughs> when, uh, when he apologized to Joe, you had this audience applaud. So, uh, you know, if baby-facing Joe was an intended side effect of this program, I think they've done a great job. I really hope that really is the intended side effect and not just something that, you know, is going to be forgotten about because I think it's a great opportunity to make Samoa Joe a fan favorite. Uh, I hope that's where it's going. I could see a scenario where maybe Reigns confronts these two. Like he's saying, like, I do all this stuff on my own. He does, he's not asking for help, but he is down because of the numbers game. Mm-hmm. And Joe comes to his aid and you can still keep like... Reigns understands he does need someone's help, but he's not going to ask for it and doesn't make Joe his friend either. Uh, He is pissed because Brian and Rowan allowed him to be wrongfully accused. And I think you can have these two like begrudgingly come together, kind of like uh, Hobbs and Shaw. (laughs) Yeah. You know what uh, you would call the team? Jojo. Exactly. Um. I think also Roman sounds really believable in this type of setting. You know, he's not overly angry or emotive. Um, I don't think he's necessarily, he probably wouldn't be great if he was trying to be overly angry. Um, So I find him actually very believable rather than somebody who maybe tries too hard. They re-aired the tribute piece for Harley Race. And then it's contender versus contender. Natalia versus Ember Moon. So you knew you weren't getting a finish here. Uh, Moon hit a sliding flatliner, and then... Yeah. By the way, referee uh, Jessica Carr is now regularly appearing on WWE TV. I don't know if I had noticed it prior, but she was not only the OBGYN, she is now uh, regularly appearing as a referee. I hope she goes on to become the most famous referee ever, so they can ask, what was your first appearance on the main roster? And she can say, I was the undercover referee in an OBGYN appointment where Maria Kanellis lost the 24-7 title as the first pregnant champion. Well, when she writes her book many years later, I'd, I'm sure she'll have some really interesting stories. I don't know if it was her first appearance on the main roster, but um, anyway, it's it seems to be a permanent uh, appearance, uh, occurrence now. Uh, so the announcers are talking about how Moon doesn't want to feel like a charity case where... Bailey gave her this title opportunity. She wants to prove that she has earned this, which would have made, um, I wish they had that, that understanding last week before having her get pinned by a Alexa bliss for absolutely no reason. Now I don't understand that at all. I mean, okay. I, I, I think the idea was that if, if you're going to give bliss and Alexa the belts, they need at least, you know, a credible win and what's a credible win, but, uh, uh, giving Alexa a win over, Oh man, the um, the challenger for the tag team or for the uh, SmackDown Women's title. I mean, except that I, I, I think it could have been anybody but Ember. Like it could have been for the sake of it. It could have just been Bailey and Naomi last week. Yes, like Naomi's uh, doing I mean, absolutely nothing. I guess they have 
they have so much. Well, they needed to get Ember on TV in order to heat her up. But boy, like did that? Oh help boy, her. did they heat her up? Yes. And also this segment, I would say the same thing. So unfortunately, like them, <laughs> Ember just seems to be an odd woman out, and and therefore she's been taking all the pins despite being the one challenging for the belt. Uh, they go to the floor. Natalia gets drop kicked into the barricade, and then she throws Moon into the apron. Discus clothesline. The count is going. Natalia applies the sharpshooter on the floor, and they're counted out in a minute 31. And Natalia will not release the, sh- the hold. Bailey runs down to stop her. Natalia gets annoyed, shoves down Bailey, and she just leaves. And Bailey is checking on her poor opponent, Ember Moon. Yeah. I mean, you know, they only had a few minutes to build up both of these matches. And I I didn't really mind the non-finish here. I thought Natalia's mean streak continues to be displayed. I appreciate the fact that this only took a minute and a half and not, I, I would say, you know, two segments, two, three segments like we had yesterday. Um, but boy, does Ember not look so hot going into that SummerSlam title match. She takes the p- clean pinfall to Alexa Bliss and this week, gets the shit beaten out of her by Natalia. So that match, Bailey and Ember, certainly does not feel like a big deal at all on this show. This this match feels so goddamn cold for Sunday. I would suggest them to just do it on SmackDown, honestly. Like, it's just not... Or save it for the next pay-per-view. I don't even... I, I just don't think it'll really get over. This is a title match, like, I could honestly see getting thrown on the kickoff show, given that they've got two hours. Like, it doesn't mean a thing. Uh, I think they've done yeah. a very poor job with Ember Moon, who needed something because she has mm-hmm. not been uh, a push commodity. And I think it's... Uh, Bailey. I think, had finally found her footing in this role as the champion and i think the last month it's just not a priority program and it's just kind of fallen by the wayside it's unfortunately certainly been overshadowed by you know uh trish versus uh uh charlotte as as uh, the a program uh for the women on smackdown so rather unfortunate um i certainly would want to see ember get another crack at a proper feud coming out of SummerSlam. so i hope the feud continues. Then we had the Kevin Owens show. He called out Shane and Owens has been asked why Shane isn't putting his career on the line at SummerSlam. And Owens explained because with his last name, he can say and do whatever he wants. So it doesn't matter, but he's going to try and appeal to Shane's ego and challenges him to put his career on the line. Shane smartly says, no, why would I do that? And Owens says that or Shane says there's no shame in losing to the best in the world. And he goes over all the ways he can win. He could pin him. He could apply his devastating triangle choke. He could also get uh, Owens counted out. Or he could upset Owens so he freaks out and gets disqualified. All ways in which Owens would lose and then have to quit. Owens tells him to please stop this painful diatribe and tell Shane that despite all your stunts, you've got no balls. They're really on this, this kick of balls way kick. I mean, they've been on balls like for years now. Oh my God. Decades. They've all been all about balls. They didn't even pay for the subject of Heyman's promos about Rollins. Like I just feel all feel the word balls. They named up. They named a whole pay-per-view after balls. Yes. Gone, but not forgotten. Great balls of fire. They clear the ring to go fight. And then the, uh, Owens takes one of the 
the nice leather chairs and tosses it to the floor and a piece of the chair breaks and looks like it just flew into the crowd because everyone just turned their head. Uh, it was like something at a final destination. Elias Those runs fans in. fans probably got a really nice t-shirt afterwards. I bet. I bet they did. Elias runs in. Shane attacks Owens. They brawl on the floor. Shane gets sent over the desk. Elias takes a stunner on the desk. And then Shane clips Owens' knee when he's not looking, attacks him with his punches, and then tips the desk over, sets up a chair against Owens' head, and then does the running sit-out dropkick. I was waiting for Shane to look into the camera and say, Shibata, Kenta, I invented the move. And he just slaps Owens over and over. And I guess a testament to Owens' growing popularity, Shane yelled, you're over, you're over. Yeah, okay. Could mean that. You just, like, gave me the, the mental image of Shane McMahon being in the G1. <laughs> and uh, how much I would love to see that. <laughs> oh, that'd be wonderful. Oh, man, that Shane would... McMahon-Tomohiro Ishii match I think would be awesome. Because he's doing his little, his little <laughs> dance shuffle and Ishii just runs at him with a headbutt. Yeah. Or Zack Sabre Jr., Shane McMahon, uh, Battle of the Submission type of match would be great. Oh, imagine Zack Sabre Jr. cutting a promo on the uh, the Republican family of the McMahons oh, and their, yes. their political ties. Would be great. Would Man. be great. Not Jimmy enough match. that I'd actually want to ever see this, but uh, you, you come up with some interesting scenarios. Anyway, uh, was that it? That was the segment. He just yeah. yelled at Owens, and Owens was left playing. Like, it was just get the heat on Shane going into Sunday. I actually thought this was all really good. You know, this the crowd- was fine. Crowd reacted really strongly to everything that they did here. I continue to actually, I'm not even joking. I, I think Shane is very entertaining as a heel in a role like this. When it comes to in-ring, maybe that's a little bit of a different story. But I think in segments like this, I find him to be incredibly effective. And he and Owens have proven to have excellent chemistry together as a heel and as a top baby face. It's been really helping Owens this entire thing. We'll see how they f- uh, finish it. Why, why do you think that they decided to reveal the... Uh, Shane stipulation now and not initially. Well, they they didn't add that to the match. I mean, that was Ooh. not a stipulation that they added. They just brought it up and Shane said no. Well, uh, sorry. What I mean is like, okay, so what I mean is why didn't why did they wait till now to announce that Shane um, would also put his career on the line rather than just simply making the the match then for both careers. I would imagine that Owens is going to win this and Shane isn't leaving. That would be my guess. Um, okay. And it's just, just, it's just a one-sided stipulation where if Owens loses, he's gone. And I expect Owens to win. And then maybe he beats him. And then Shane challenges him to one final match didn't or have, something. Didn't they announce that Shane had accepted or something? Or was it, just, was it still just Owens' on the, career on the line at the end of this? Unless they announce something like on the website, I thought after. I, I mean, saw I, on the graphic, but okay, I could be wrong. It says if if Owens loses, he quits. That's I think what the graphic said because they, yeah, I, I okay. don't see anything here. Like they haven't changed it, so it's just uh, it's just Shane. Uh, it's just Owens' car- uh, career on the line. Okay, I'm mistaken. Which no one believes anyway, but um, yeah, you know, you could you could do several things. I I think Owens should win on Sunday. I think he's going to get an enormous response in Toronto, which good for him and. He could beat Shane and then 
they could they could build to something like a hell in a cell and then Shane does disappear because I think that's ultimately where this has to go where Shane is taken away from TV for at least an extended period after this feud with Owens. Yes. And maybe they just want to drag it into September. Um then we had so at this point we are uh it's 9:11 p.m. 9:11 p.m. and we have had 2 minutes and 18 seconds of wrestling so far away. Sometimes you have a lot more, sometimes not. Yeah. Sami Zayn comes out. He said he offered a gift to Aleister Black with a match at SummerSlam to unburden him of his hype. But Aleister has responded with silence. He locks himself in a room where he is safe while you parasites talk about how cool he is. Well, the guy who picks fights doesn't want to fight with Zayn. And then Aleister's music plays. And I hear Aleister. And it looks like he's throwing his back out, but he's lying down it for his entrance, announcing that the match is not happening at SummerSlam. It's happening now. And then he rises up into a standing position and walks down. He's, he cut a promo while lying on his back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the ideas they come up with this guy. Oh, my God. I was kind of disappointed by this. I wanted to see this at SummerSlam, and they just blew this yeah. off. Like, there was nothing left after this. Like, there's no way they're going back to this. Not me. I, I was really grateful that they were continuing to, you know, maybe trim some of the fat off of SummerSlam and putting it onto the TV, which I think it benefits a match like this. I'm sure Zayn versus uh, uh, Black on a pay-per-view would have been great, but I don't think they would have had the time. Nor, I mean, it would have done really well in front of the audience, actually, in Toronto, but... I think by the end of the show, of a seven-hour, six-hour show, you wouldn't have remembered this. So I appreciate that they're actually considering the length of that show. Well, we're at... You take this one out, and Roman does not officially have a match. We've got ten matches uh, confirmed for Sunday. That's great. Which, when you, when you think about it, if they do three on the kickoff, that's seven matches in four hours. Great. Maybe eight if they add reigns. That's more than enough. Maybe they'll end early. I don't know if they'll end that early. Maybe 10.30. I mean, um, you know, I, I think everybody will be more than satisfied. Yes. And, uh, yeah, we'll look at that after. So, match starts. He drops Zane with a kick to the chest and then does his backflip into the seated position. They go through a commercial, come back. Zane is now in control with strikes. A lot of selling from Aleister Black. He comes back with kicks, sweeps him, hits a running knee, does a quebrada. The audience is into Black's comeback. He lands a flying knee, Black Mass, and pins Sami Zayn in 553. And your winner, uh, and I quote, the Dark Destroyer, Alistair Black. Oh, is that it? Is that the new name? The Dark Destroyer. Not to be con- uh, confused with the uh, the Bright Destroyer. What was his uh, previous nickname? You remember? Oh. Didn't he have one in NXT? Tommy End. I don't know. Mm. I can't remember what they called him before. The Dark Destroyer. Okay, whatever. It's better than the dynamic, the dreadlocked dynamo. That's yes, for which sure. was thankfully thankfully dropped. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, honestly, this was not much of a match. I guess if you're really looking forward to this one as, you know, something special, it really was not. It was not the style of match that I think you would have expected from both men, like on an NXT, for instance. Uh, not as good as Cesaro versus uh, Aleister Black. Um, really just kind of something to put Alistair Black over, and 
it achieved, I think, that purpose at least. I think it's just more uh, impactful uh, when you do this on the pay-per-view as opposed to this match that I think is just going to be completely forgotten. So I guess this guy just moves on to his next program now. It just felt kind of, um, yeah, case of, well, we don't have enough time for everything, so we'll move this to TV. Mm -hmm. But something they made adamantly clear that they did have time for, the return of Shelton Benjamin. The entire world had forgotten about this. So we have the interviewer off camera asking him if he has considered competing for the 24-7 title. He starts his answer by saying, well, and then his eyes just dart all over the room, smiles, and walks away. Are you still intrigued? I mean, I have no idea where this is leading towards. I feel like we've kind of only been seeing these um, bits and pieces with like several weeks uh of gaps so that you almost don't really care anymore i i I do find it pretty uh interesting though uh i i hope that they have a a conclusion i'm not entirely sure that they do um i'm still somewhat invested (laughs) you're you're very optimistic about wherever the hell hey could it could it not be in theory this guy could be cross-eyed and you know what I wouldn't want to be doing if I'm cross-eyed? Operating a forklift or driving a car. Okay. Maybe this guy's eyes were just wandering, and he just it was legitimately an accident. Why wasn't he a suspect? Well, it would be either him or the man with the bone spurs. Yeah. One-armed driver or wandering eye Shelton. Very dangerous. Firefly Funhouse. We had a table full of candy. After uh, Huskus the pig had overdosed on chocolate, Bray says that Balor is not afraid of anything, and he loves that. And Huskus eats to cover for his insecurities, and Balor's courage is ignorance in disguise, because he invited the fiend to his doorstep willingly, and we've hurt for so long, it's time for Balor to hurt. And the fiend is coming for him. Let me in. I like these. I mean, you know, I would consider these a success simply if they were better than the the original Bray Wyatt promos, and they are far better. But uh, even, you know, beyond that, I I think they're just good. Do you think they're going to do a full match between these two, or do you think this is going to be short? Um, It'll be really interesting to see how they treat The Fiend in a proper match setting. You know, will, will they play with the lights? Will... Will there be music uh, and all that stuff? How do they maintain the mystery? I think for that, for for the sake of keeping the mystery, I think you keep these short. Yeah, I I feel it should be short for its most effectiveness. But I feel when you've got like a Goldberg match already on this, I think they're going to feel the need to do like eight to ten minutes with these two. And I don't know if that's a great idea where they're going back and forth and then Bray wins. So this is... No I'm interested rule. to see how they pull this off. There's no rule that says you can't have more than one, you know, sub three minute match. Yeah, I just don't think they will. I'm not saying that it would be my rule because I think um, Balor trying to get in some offense and then boom, he's hit with the mandible claw and he's mysteriously gone. He's injured. It would be the way to go here. I'm also looking for this to be like a pretty severe beating, you know, for, for Finn Balor. Uh, yeah, number one to really kind of put this character over, but you know, it's like it's something that were that should send Finn Balor away for for a, a bit of time. 
Chad Gable is warming up for what I don't know, and he puts down right, his. He had no his, match. He had nothing to do on this show, so I don't know what he was all getting all set for. Maybe it was two o five. It wasn't. Um, he puts his band down, and Elias says, "You should get your bands away from my guitar." Now the funny line would have been Gable saying, "What if what if your guitar joined my band?" Yeah, that would have been hilarious. Would have been funnier than this shit. <laughs> he then says that he thought Chad Gable was a child, and quotes Randy Newman: "Short people got no reason to live," and says that you must be this tall to talk to a star like him. Now Elias. Is a decently sized man. It's not like he towers over Chad Gable. And he asks if they have a problem as he takes the guitar and leaves. So we've got Shelton Benjamin, who's following a fucking fly on the other side of the screen with his eyes. And then we got short Chad Gable. Some real yeah. dynamic characters here in the, in the pipeline post-SummerSlam coming your way. Yeah, I mean, if you're... Sure, yeah. Um, Getting labeled short by Vince McMahon, that is the mark of death. If, yeah, it's unfortunate. Rather unfortunate. Maybe maybe he'll be off to uh, Chad of Green Gables. Get as far away from here. Wow. Damn. Then we had a feature on Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton. Last week we heard from Randy. This week it was Kofi Kingston's response. And it's mixed with all these highlights of their feud from a decade ago. Kofi says he got here as champion in spite of Randy Orton, not because of him, after he was taking credit for it. And it's hard to stand out in this company, but he was starting to do that. And it included the angle that I had forgotten about that they did, where Randy Orton had some fucking race car. I can't remember the context of this. And then Kofi poured paint all over it and says, that's not exactly how it worked out. And again, they show the stupid comments and him getting pinned after an RKO and Kofi mentioned the rumors that Orton used his influence to hold him back. And he got frustrated because he was at a certain level, but couldn't get to the next higher level. So he just kept grinding and he wants to inspire people and use his influence to lift people up. Whereas Randy Orton uses his influence to hold people down and said, it's vindication when he holds the title high above on Sunday and he ends it by saying, we'll see who the stupid one is. This was great. Yeah, really these well These two done. video features, just air these back to back. I guarantee you, you'll be into this match. You only need to see these two video features. It was great. I, I think this has been one of the subtly better built programs for Sunday. Maybe, seriously, maybe the best built program at SummerSlam. I don't think and it's most. I think it's really been simple and very effective. I don't think it's been that subtle at all. I, I think, uh, like... When it comes time to to tell serious stories uh, through the use of video packages, they've been shown to be able to do that really effectively. And again, this is, I think, a, a, a program that has benefited from not having that much TV time to, you know, overwrite something or overcomplicated or overcomplicated or overbook anything. It's they stuck to the history. It's like this person hates this person because of this thing, and then they explained it again repeatedly through the use of really well produced video packages. And over the past couple of weeks, like not seeing uh, Randy or Kofi on TV itself has not really felt 
lacking. If in fact, like simply by showing these videos instead, it's it's made me more invested in this program. So I I would love for them to continue to use this type of method whenever it, it it's possible when they have this type of a uh, depth of story to in and history to to call upon. Yeah, I I just think that um they had a story, they maximized it, and this has been really really good build. I'm. And I'm looking forward to the match itself on Sunday. So I think they did a really great job here. Big E and Xavier Woods versus Daniel Bryan and Rowan was the main event. Uh, early on, Woods takes out Bryan with a Topicon hero to the floor. They go through the break. Now Bryan's in control of Big E with his arm. Rowan comes in, drops Woods with a running crossbody. They double-team Woods for a long period of time. Uh, Rowan then tosses Woods into the steps and over the barricade. They go through another commercial break. Big E gets the hot tag. He's hitting all these belly-to-belly suplexes to Brian before his knee is drop-kicked. Big E applies a stretch muffler, which really works given his build to use that move. And Brian transitions into the label lock from the stretch muffler, which was a very nice transition. And Big E does the Rampage Jackson-Ricardo Arona spot, powerbombing Brian out of the triangle. And Rowan comes in, hits a running spin kick, Blind tag to Woods. Rowan is down. Woods hits a flying elbow. Big E spears Brian off the apron. And then Rowan finally uses the steps on Xavier Woods. And the bell is rung for the DQ. What did you think of the match? I really liked the match. I thought everybody was on. You know, you can certainly count on the New Day. You could certainly count on Daniel Bryan. But I think Eric Rowan continues to feel really effective in this role as kind of the lone big man amongst, you know, a sea of people smaller than him. He's working very fast. Uh... Works really well with Brian. Um, you know, not necessarily, I would say, a match that I think, you know, is is a show. Eh, it's not a, one that I would say you have to go out, out of your way to watch. But I think for a TV show to, to cap off a main event, I, I, I thought it was really well done. Brian has, you know, been doing the whole mute gimmick lately. And he definitely stayed that way here. A real meanness about him that, you know, he's no longer doing kind of like even the cute. Uh, I'm doing this for the planet type of character. He's he's been a much more serious character, and I think you can you can see why. Yeah, I thought it was a really fun tag match. I, I and uh, I agree with you. I thought I thought Rowan uh, did his part very well in this match as well. So afterwards, they're continuing to beat down Woods and Big E. Rowan hit the Iron Claw slam onto Big E. Then we had the uh, Busaiku knee to Xavier Woods. And then we cut to the back, and Roman Reigns is wandering around backstage. He goes into the locker room, and he kicks everyone out. They were more than willing to get the hell out of here. And who is left but Buddy Murphy? So Reigns has a sit-down. I swear to God, how many people watching SmackDown? What, what percentage do you think had no idea who this guy was? Um, Buddy Murphy, yeah. Um, I would say a healthy 40%. I would say 30 to 40%. He was never identified, I believe. Like, I don't think that I'm sure there are people that never watched 205 Live or NXT that would have no idea who this, who this random man is. And Rain sits down. He says he saw him last week in the footage and he begins interrogating Buddy Murphy, who denies knowing who made the attack. And he said, even if I did know, I wouldn't tell you. So Roman proceeds to murder this guy. Now, this wasn't Impact Wrestling where he would have tried to waterboard this guy. But he beats the shit out of him, throws him over the table, puts him up against the wall, and Buddy Murphy just cracks. 
And he says, it was Rowan. It's like, what? It was a hit and roan. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, Rowan and Daniel Bryan. And Buddy says, I only saw Rowan. And then we cut to Brian and Rowan watching from the ring. Absolutely no reaction to this. And it just goes to Reigns. He's breathing heavy. And the show ended. Yeah. Tune in the SummerSlam and figure out what the hell's going on. I mean, yeah. I mean, I thought they would make the reveal on this show and then we would get the match itself at SummerSlam. But it seems like they are kind of leaving you waiting until SummerSlam to even find out who it might be. Or who or a confirmation about who it actually might be, and maybe even beyond that. So uh, I think following more more of your suggestion from Monday, John, how did you feel about this? Uh, I I thought this reveal sucked. I thought this this left uh, SmackDown on a a whimper. I just thought it was such a like Monday. You left on a high with the Goldberg. This one was a polar opposite, and. I got the sense going into SummerSlam, unless they announced something on the website, which seems very anticlimactic. I almost think like we're just going to get like some attack on Sunday. Like, I don't think we're even getting a match. Maybe it's just Reigns confronting them. Joe gets involved and it's some big brawl. Like, I don't even know if we're necessarily getting a match. doesn't feel like it's ready for a match. At this point, I certainly hope not because I don't I don't think you've built enough interest. And I think it'd be a bit of a waste to simply give that match away. I, I would actually have the confrontation on SummerSlam and just leave it at that, you know, drive people build the match up for with another month. Um, I, Cause I think an angle this big deserves a bit more TV time to kind of uh, continue the feud. We don't know why Brian or, or Rowan might've done what they did. You need TV time to really explain that before actually getting the match itself. Do you think that this is a, an issue with like the timing of this angle? Like you should have done this to peak for, you know, one of your top stars, if not your top stars, to have a prominent spot at SummerSlam? Or do you think it, it ultimately doesn't matter? I would assume that if if they timed it this way, uh, I would assume that this was always the intent and that they probably don't intend on them having a match. Um, from the looks of it, that's what I would assume. Um, I I can't necessarily see this being the culminating angle and, and the, the, the visual to end off SmackDown with you know if the intent was to actually have the match because there's no more tv time to announce that match yeah i just thought it's it's been a a kind of strange summer of roman reigns and how he's been utilized like certainly i think a bit of a diminished role like still still there still prominent but it does feel as though especially on smackdown he has taken a backseat to the kevin owens story he has been not as focused upon and i'm just Kind of surprised that this is this well, is how they felt to best sell SummerSlam uh, with Roman Reigns as one of your top people. That uh, he's he's not really to me any kind of difference maker. If you're contemplating getting the show or not, I don't think you're deciding based upon Roman Reigns. And I think that's it. I feel like maybe they feel they already have a strong enough show without Roman and Brian uh, being attached to it in any type of meaningful match to you know attract people to want to watch the show. Maybe they're right. You know, uh, certainly the promise of a Ro- Roman versus Brian match will add a lot to the show, but I don't. I almost feel like at this point you might as well just save it for the next pay per view, and I, I I think that's fine. Um, I think 
it's 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 certainly an angle they are giving a lot of airtime to and they're taking very seriously. So it's set to be a big program, but I just don't sense that it'll really peak and culminate at SummerSlam. That's all. So here's the quick lineup for SummerSlam of what they have announced. Brock and Rollins for the Universal title. Becky Lynch, Natalia submission match for the women's title. Bailey and Ember Moon for the SmackDown women's title. Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton for the WWE title. Owens versus Shane McMahon. If Owens loses, he's qu- uh, quitting. Finn Balor versus The Fiend. The Fiend. The Fiend. Bray Wyatt. AJ Styles Ricochet for the U.S. title. Dolph Ziggler versus Bill Goldberg. Trish Stratus versus Charlotte Flair. And just made on 205 Live tonight, Drew Gulak versus Oni Lorcan for the Cruiserweight title, which could be a hell of a match. I think a lot of these matches could be great matches if they're given, I think, the space and the style to for them to take place. Like AJ versus Ricochet, I think you you would have higher expectations for uh, even this time around. You know, but then we also have a number of I would what I would call spectacles in Ziggler versus Goldberg, which I think could be very satisfying if kept short. Even Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt, I consider more of a spectacle type of match. Um, Stratus versus Flair, I think, has a lot of people's interest to see what type of match Charlotte Flair can get out of a a Trish Stratus. What does Trish Stratus look look like inside a, a singles match environment in 2019? Brock. Um, Versus Rollins, I mean that really has kind of been fucked up as far as uh you know. Hey, hey, Seth was cleared today. Wait, <laughs> after okay. all that, he's he's cleared. You know, um, yeah, like I thought the angle was really great last week, but I think the follow up with Rollins yesterday was really not that great. So, uh, but the match could still be really interesting. You have an injured Seth Rollins going in there. Um, Kofi versus Orton has been done really well. And then you've got, you know, your women's matches and Becky Lynch versus Natalia, which is a submission match could be interesting, but my hopes really aren't honestly that high for the quality of it. But Becky Lynch will get a great reaction in Toronto. Bailey versus Ember to me is probably the coldest match on this show. And I'm even yeah, I, I think I don't think anything's even close, to be honest. I'm I'm including one. Gulak and Lorkin at this point. I don't even know. I am too. I think dude, I love watching Oni Lorkin and if he gets like fifteen minutes on the kickoff, that's gonna be great. I think that's going to be a really good match. Yeah, yeah. And Owens versus Shane, you know the crowd will be heated for that because it's Kevin Owens. And I think Shane still, you know, is a bit of a spectacle attraction. So, yeah. Can you remember a pay-per-view where the amount of matches that they've teased that they have not announced as of the go-home show? We can go through Reigns and Bryan, mm-hmm. Nakamura and Ali, yeah. Anderson and Gallows against The New Day, Cedric Alexander against Drew McIntyre. Um, I guess we gave away the the women's four way and Sami Zayn and Alistair Black, so those were kind of delivered upon. But man, there there is a lot of programs in flux, and I guess you could fill out this card once they time out the show, and maybe some of those matches end up. Do you do you see any of those? Let's throw out Reigns and Bryan because we kind of discussed that already. But of the other options, yeah. uh, can you do you envision more being added to this? current 10 match lineup if they simply want to fill in the airtime um i could certainly see them put, putting something like nakamura versus ali there or something with the tag team uh the men's tag teams um but I, ray and ray and andrade would be in that list too sure I mention that but you know um i i really do feel like for a lot of these programs it's it would be better to hold off give them the proper airtime give them the proper build before setting them up for the next pay-per-view they have a whole pay-per-view of backup matches Great. I think that's the way it should be, honestly. Rather than, you know, rerunning a lot of this stuff, like, split the show in half and, and, like, give me half of it the next month. 
what is the next pay-per-view? Ah, uh, oh god, they always clash uh, clash of champions. Clash of champions is uh September 15th. So, uh So you got a month? One month. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they can keep a lot of those programs. Certainly like Brian versus Rowan if they don't do it on SummerSlam, I think a month's build would be fine as like that show's main event. You got to save something for for that. They got Clash of Champions, and then three weeks later, it's Hell in a Cell. And I could see, I could see them dragging Owens and Shane all the way to Hell in a Cell, and they do the rematch in Hell in a Cell. Sure, yeah, I and can then, see that happening. And then several, or weeks later. or to your point, stretch that one out. They don't have to have anything at Clash of Champions. Yeah. Do Owens and Shane at Hell in a Cell, and. Yeah. Split up some of your big matches. Like, it doesn't have to be every single big star on every show in the network era. I mean, I would kind of like that. Or, and you can also really spread it out amongst your TV, even. You know, like, what, who's to say you can't do some of these uh, main events on television? And I think TV will ultimately, at this point, prove to be more important in many ways than your B-level pay-per-view. God, you know what I just realized is that they are going to debut on Fox... And two days later, they have a pay-per-view. So yeah. that that SmackDown debut on Fox is technically the go Like, that's going to be one show where I don't think the pay-per-view is even going to be any kind of focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's going to be an afterthought. So, it's yeah, really I didn't even realize the timing of that. So that week, we've got AEW's debut on TNT, SmackDown on Fox, and then a pay-per-view that weekend with uh, Hell in a Cell. So they got a lot going on. All right, let's go to the feedback thread and see what everyone had to say about uh, tonight's show. And, and after the feedback, uh, John and I are going to quickly go through some of the events in t- uh, Toronto for SummerSlam weekend. Yes, we'll take a look at the uh, the first couple of days of what's going on in and around the city. So tonight's SmackDown uh, fell below Raw, a 5.1. Okay, interesting. Brad from Halifax writes, SmackDown flew by. There were so many things like including the build for Randy versus Kofi, Sean versus Owens, and Bailey versus Ember. I even like the little tease that we might actually get to see Chad Gable wrestle on TV. The high point was the who done it with Roman. Hope we get a big payoff way down the road. My only complaint is, wasn't tonight kind of your payoff? Um, well, I th- I think finding getting Roman getting his hands on the actual attacker is the payoff. All right, but the the mystery is kind of gone. Well, it's not been confirmed. I mean, and they're kind of leading you to think it's Rowan, not necessarily Brian, who I think most people are assuming to be the attacker. Maybe Buddy will apologize and say, no, you were choking me. I was saying, Roman, Roman, stop choking me. I didn't say Rowan. (laughs) My only complaint is Super Shane. Thank you for the pity laugh. Is there another Rowan that we're not thinking of? Um, Rowan Atkinson. Yeah. Maybe it was Mr. Bean. Or Eric Rowan? Or wait, who's the other Rowan? He what is Eric think? Rowan. No, I'm thinking of uh, who's the Viking Raider? Oh, Eric. Roe. Just Eric. Roe. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Eric. Ray Raymond Rowe is now, he's Eric, right? And I think so. And the former Hanson is Ivar. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. My only complaint is Super Shane. Does he always have to have the upper hand? I'm not a fan and really don't ever need to see any energy put into his push. I hope after Sunday he goes away for a while. There are too many talented wrestlers like Buddy Murphy, Ali, and Finn Balor. Well, after Sunday, uh, Ali got beat clean tonight. Finn Balor's going away. And Buddy Murphy was just, you know, cannon fodder tonight. So I wouldn't be putting my my stock in those three as uh, as big priorities. 
in the near future. Don't get good matches on TV or at pay-per-views. He actually calls them pay-pay-per-views. Let's let somebody else have a turn after Shane. All right. Uh, well, it seems I, as, I, yeah, it yeah. seems as though they are kind of culminating with the removal of Shane McMahon inevitably as the you know due to Kevin Owens. I mean, that's yeah, what I, I just said. think they're going to stretch it out. But I do yeah. feel yeah, they're like that's been the whole basis of Kevin Owens is this guy takes up television time. So in theory, he's going to rid SmackDown of Shane McMahon. In theory, yeah, theory. Paul from New Jersey says a rather pedestrian go home show tonight. Charlotte and Trish sounded weird. Still looking forward to that match though. Totally fine with Black and Zayn ha- happening tonight. I l- like the women's tag title match last night. This match would probably get lost on a massive pay-per-view card, so I like it. Also, Ember looks like a bit of a dork, eh? Yeah. She kind of does. Has it hasn't been a strong build for that one. Jalen from Pickering only managed to catch the ending. Once again, I found it weird. Essentially, Buddy Murphy's first segment on TV made him look like a punk, although I guess it can lead to something in the long run. Roman looked good, but the reveal came off as odd. There was minimal reaction from Brian and Rowan, and it feels like a reveal you'd have two or three weeks before a pay-per-view as opposed to a go-home show. Yeah, in the final segment, going into the show. You have no idea if this match is happening or not. No, yeah, I mean, I'm really kind of... We'll see how much they, they explain online in the next few days, but yeah. I, I, w- I would I would certainly not do the match at this point. Like I think I think you can like you suggested yesterday, John, just tease some type of confrontation. And that to me is enough of a hook. And if uh, Reigns and Joe have like a like they fight together, I think the audience will really get into that that moment of the two like working together and it's yeah. at least something you give them. There's a representation on the show. Um oh we have an update from Rowan. Uh from Ro- from Roman Reigns. Uh looks like I had to beat a confession out of Buddy Murphy. I'll have no problem beating an explanation and an apology out of you, Eric Rowan. Great. So clearly they're still teasing the mystery. They're deep in the midst of it. I really, it's hard for me to think that they would go right from this to a Rowan, sorry, Rome, God, Roman versus Brian match right on Sunday. Maybe they're going to do uh, Roman and Rowan, which would be fun for the announcers to call. Oh, great. And then, yeah, throw in Eric Rowan there as well. We got a Jay from Colorado who says, uh, do you ever have those dreams where you get into a fight with someone and no matter how hard you try to throw a punch, they seem to land soft? Every time I see Shane McMahon, I never have that dream. I've um, never I've never heard of a dream like that, but yeah. man, maybe in Colorado. Um Yeah, maybe <laughs> it's the altitude. Every time I see Shane McMahon <laughs> throw his punches, it makes me think of those dreams. <laughs> well, yeah. I I have nightmares when I watch those, so not dreams. And finally, our favorite, Neil from Northern Ireland. Oh. As a Sami Zayn fan, I hate his current role as a heel who poses zero threat. That match didn't even help Alistair Black, who gains very little with a comprehensive win over a guy everyone knows hasn't won a singles match in forever. At least they got it out of the way tonight. In general, I felt the show was pacey, but parts seemed slightly off, almost as though it had been completely rewritten just before going to air. Yeah, we should make mention of that, that uh, Dave Meltzer had a report that there was a a lot of reworking to this show, apparently, in the hours leading up to the show, which is it is that that unusual at this point? It's not all that unusual that they're making changes, uh, even when the show is starting and they're making changes throughout. I kind of just watch the show in a vacuum. And mm. if it's a good show, I don't give a shit if it's being written on the fly. I don't care if it was written five weeks ago. I don't care if it was written an hour ago. It's not me that's sitting down and writing these shows. I just look at what's the end product. And if it's a strong show, 
then I I really don't care what the the process was of putting that show together. Um, tonight's show, I, I thought I, I thought it was a really weak ending, and it could have been one of those angles that I think you you played up a lot more of like the mystery. I, I just thought it was a very flat ending to the show as a build up for SummerSlam. I I thought it was moderate. There were the elements we went through that I liked. Hmm. Uh, is that everything? I think so. That's it for feedback. All right. Well, let's take a look at what's going on. And everything gets started in the city on Wednesday. There's going to be three different shows going on, one of which you and I will be at, Way. We're going to be at the OWE show. So uh, there's the series of shows that are happening at the Midtown Event Center. Uh, it's a bunch of shows uh, with kind of smash wrestling uh, promoting all of these uh, under this umbrella with progress coming over WXW. Uh, we've got the summit on the weekend. So lots of shows happening. That's up uh, j- just north of Young and Eglinton. And by the way, um, for people who want to follow along with this schedule, you can go to postwrestling.com and under our uh, menu, you could just look for the SummerSlam button and click the button. And you have John's yes. complete list of uh, all the events happening within the city. So the OWE show, which uh, I need to update this. I thought it was at 3 o'clock. Doors are at 3. The show is at 4 p.m. I can do that now. Okay. You're the man way. Uh, Shima and Christopher Daniels will be taking on Private Party. Uh, Our our guest recently, Buck Gunderson, will be taking on uh, Sonny Jay. I'm going to die on some of these pronunciations. I I, I think it's pronounced Zai. Zai? Yeah, close enough. But he might pronounce it a completely different way. So we'll, we shall find out. Uh, Brandon Cutler is taking on Bolo Fung. Dark Order is taking on T-Hawk and L. Lindemann. Speedball Mike Bailey versus Gao Jingjia. That's pretty good, actually. Is that yeah. okay? Yeah, very good. And let, let me try this one. Sammy Guevara versus Alexander James. I think you nailed that one. Perfect. Your your favorite, Sammy Guevara, you're going to get to see. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, much uh, a lot of uh, AEW representation on this show between the Dark Order, who are Smash, uh, uh, you know, uh, regulars, uh, Private Party, Chris Daniels, Shima. Uh, uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to seeing a lot of the OWE representation here. Um, people such as T-Hawk and L. Lindemann and Gao Jingja, which I... I, I really have not seen that much of other than, you know, in highlight form and also, uh, you know, by reputation. So I look forward to the show a lot. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this show a lot. I think we're going to see a real mixture of, of guys and should be a really fun show. Later that night, uh, Demand Lucha is putting on Puma King's Lucha Vacation uh, with Puma King taking on Carter Mason. Other people on that show include Ethan Page, Joey Ryan. Uh, Rory Gulak, the brother of Drew Gulak, and Ophidian versus Mantequila. So that is uh, happening at the Opera House, which used to stage uh, the Ring and Ears shows way back in the late 90s, early 2000s, which I never got out to those shows. But they were essentially these concept shows that featured live pro wrestling while you had bands playing at the same time, which I always thought was like a cool mix that that would really work for wrestling. Live music with wrestling going on at the same time but i guess obviously not because you don't really see that all that often yeah i've never been to one of those either um they sounded really interesting um well you can always listen to headphones while you're watching the show that's true you can always do that and then wednesday night 
features the Smash Wrestling versus Progress Wrestling show at the same place as OWE, the Midtown Event Center. Uh, so this lineup has Walter versus Kevin Bennett. Yeah. A match I never expected I was going to see. Walter versus Kevin Bennett. Um, you know, depending on, I don't know what we're doing after OWE, but if we end up sticking around in this area, uh, who knows? If it's, if, if it's, uh, if it works out, maybe I'll pop into the show. It looks like a strong to- show. Yeah. It does. Uh, Tony Storm is taking on Jody Threat. Uh, Trent Seven is take on Psycho Mike. Then you've got Sebastian Suave, Danny Garcia, Idris Abraham, who was just on Raw Monday night, and Joe Coleman, they are Halal Beefcake, are taking on David Starr, Chris Brooks, Travis Banks, and Paul Robinson. Plus uh, Jordan Devlin versus Tarek, and Aussie Open versus Tyson Dukes and Brent Banks. That's a really fun card. Yeah, really strong. Really strong. Thursday, uh, Thursday has uh, WXW Ambition, uh, where they're going to be doing a... a a tournament on that show with uh, it'll be an eight man tournament with first round matches between Walter and speedball Mike this, Bailey. This is a shoot style wrestling, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. This is their like, yeah, their ambition style show. Uh, Bobby guns versus uh, Daniel McCabe, Danny Garcia versus Al Ani, Timothy Thatcher versus Alexander James. And then in a super fight, Tyson Dukes versus Yuki Ishikawa. I really want to see that. Uh, uh Yuki Ishikawa is, uh, of course, a Battle Arts fame who I sp- believe still is a head trainer at Battle Arts, uh, Santino Morella School. I but, believe so. But uh, uh, Battle Arts, the original Battle Arts uh, in Japan. So uh, him seeing, get, get, getting to see him in a, in a shoot-style match with Tyson Dukes, of all people, in Toronto. I really wish I could make this show, but this is in the midst of the hangout, so I don't think we'll be able to catch it. Uh, then Thursday night, it's... Uh... There's four shows going on Thursday night. Uh, Greek Town has their show Hot Wired happening at 310 Danforth Avenue. Highlights of that include our friend RJ City versus Rhino. Actually, RJ City is booked on two shows at the same time. So he's going to be probably early on one show, late on the other. Uh, Sexy Eddie is on this show. Space Monkey. Joey Ryan versus Allison Kay. And Channing Decker versus Necro Butcher. Necro Butcher Necro will be Butcher on the Danforth. God damn. Yeah. Wow. On the same weekend as Taste of the Danforth as well. Um, interesting. Wow. Okay. Um, I imagine. Uh, wow. I'm sure he'll be sampling. He's the uh, Butcher oh. on, during the Taste of the Danforth. That's amazing. He was, he was destined for this event. Um, RJ City is taking on Rhino, by the way. And then at the same time, Progress is going to be going down at the Midtown Event Center. This has Walter and Paul Robinson for the Unified World Title. Travis Banks versus Jordan Devlin. Aussie Open against Dark Order against uh, The Butcher and The Blade. Yeah, which David is Star- um, the guy from the band. Uh, Pepper Parks and... Um, yeah, the guy from the band. Uh, uh, every Time I Die. Uh, yes. Every Name's time escaping I me. Die. I'm going to kick myself. Uh Tony Storm versus Holla Dead and Trent Seven versus uh, Eddie Kingston are all on that progress show. Uh, Andy, and Andy James, Williams. Andy Williams, yes. Uh, Kingdom James is running the Union of Professional Independent Wrestlers show, the Never Say Never card, which has uh, Kingdom against Kevin Blackwood in the main event. Josh Alexander's on that show. Uh, RJ City versus Space Monkey is on the Union show. And then Super Kicked Live is running a surprise, a secret show at 9 p.m. Uh, it's a Super Kick versus Freelance Wrestling card. Maybe Scrump's going to be on that Freelance card. Well, he is in town. We know that. Um, 
Is yeah, we act- can confirm he will be in town has by act- Thursday night. Has he packed his penis outfit? We we don't know. He's, uh, uh, he's a freelance legend, so and maybe this he'll is be a, on the freelance show. It, and it's a TBA like location, TBD location. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um. So anyway, those are the first two nights, and maybe on the hangout we'll go through some more. Friday's got one, two, three, four, five shows. Uh, there's just so much going on this weekend. It's crazy. Uh, it's a lot, yeah. Uh, I'm really curious to know how much, how many uh, of the audience that's in local to Toronto that's listening to us right now. What shows are you guys going to? Are these shows even on your radar? Because even somebody like me, John, I really haven't heard too much about a lot of these shows. I didn't know Tony Storm was in town. I didn't know. I barely knew Walter was in town. I, I guess I kind of expected, but I didn't really know any a, a lot of this beyond I think what the WWE offering is. So, what's on your radar? What are you guys excited to see? Yeah, I mean, if you look at my lineup, like there's some interesting matches happening that no one is aware of. Bull like Nakano is in town. Bull Nakano is in town doing a meet and greet Saturday morning at the Met. Um, Josh Alexander and I think it's Josh Alexander and Michael Elgin are taking on Trent Seven and Tyler Bate on a Destiny show on Friday night. Like that's just the kind of stuff that's going on. So it's a uh, some interesting talent lineups uh, throughout all of this. So uh, we're going to be getting out to several shows ourselves. So we hope to see many people. And yeah, I would love to hear feedback of what you're going to check out. And if you do go to any shows, please send along any live reports or notes. We'd love to hear from any of you that are attending some of these shows, uh, especially if you're going to some of the non-wrestling shows. Dolph Ziggler's doing a show. McFoley's doing a show. Sami Zayn's doing an improv show. Wow. Okay. You know who I want him to bring up as his guest to do improv with? Alistair Black. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be amazing. Yes. All right. That's going to wrap up the show. Uh, is there anything else to go over, Way, before we sign off? No. Okay. Goodbye, everyone. We'll be back Thursday at 3 p.m. with the Cafe Hangout. Actually, we'll be back with the G1 show on Wednesday. So disregard all that. We'll talk to you in a few hours. Bye. And I'm going to SmackDown.